0: Happy Sabbath everyone. Happy Sabbath to those who are in the church and uh, to those who are joining online. Uh, it's good to be back in uh, ESDAC. Thank you, uh, Pastor James, for the invitation. Uh, when I was here last time, there was only a few people here, all right? Only uh, the worship team and, and the, the media team. And so it's good to see that uh, the cheers are being filled up and uh, hopefully in time more people will be uh, able to come to church and join the service but Pastor James I agree with you I agree with what you said today that time is going fast I mean the other day we were just celebrating entering 2021 yeah and now it's it's March you know soon you'll be seeing in the, in the shops things for Christmas right <laughs> that's how that's how time is going And and when we look around Uh, the world, and we see what's going on, as Bible-believing, prophecy-believing Adventists, we know that time is short. We know that there are signs that Jesus is soon to come. And maybe some of us, you know, uh, that have been in the church for so long, like me, we we, we feel that that Jesus is coming is a long way off. But the Bible tells us, and the signs are telling us, that it's sooner than when we first believed. So while we're here on earth, while we, while we still have the time, let us be busy in preparing, not only ourselves, but preparing others. And I love the plans, Pastor James, that I've heard for the church in preparing others to be ready to meet Jesus when he comes. So today, I will be preaching from the book of Ruth. And uh, Pastor James, this is part one, and I'm, I'm letting you know that there is a part two. So uh, th- that's my way of uh, asking for another sermon from Pastor James, yes? <laughs> now, because I've, because I've said it publicly, you can't say no anymore. Yeah? So before we pray, I would like us to read the story that uh, we will focus on today, uh, which is found in Ruth chapter one. It's, it's a bit long, uh, but I think it's important that We understand the context so that we can get the best out of the sermon today, amen? You know, in Jesus' day, the teachers of the law would stand up in the synagogue and they would read long passages of scripture, you know, so reading 18 verses uh, should not be anything for us today. Okay, Uh, Ruth chapter 1, reading from verse 1 to 18 from the New Living Translation, let's go. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Marlon and Kilian. They were Ethretites from Bethlehem in the land of Of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Now the story takes a turn. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women, they they married non Jewish women. In other words, they married outside of the church. One married a, a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, disaster struck. Both Marlon and Kilian died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Have mercy. All the men in the house died. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them crops again. So, Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Verse eight, but on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's home and and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. What an what a emotional scene. No, they said, we want to go with your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible... And I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you. Because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. How many have ever felt that the Lord has raised his fist against you? And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. There are some people today that God wants us to cling tightly to. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. And then comes the verse that many of us learn in children's Sabbath school. And this is our scripture reading, not Ruth 1.6, but Ruth 1.16. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. What commitment. What an example of commitment here this morning. And the final verse, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing anymore. Title of our message today is Called to Serve. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we pause for just a moment to ask for the Holy Spirit to accompany the preaching of your word today. Please remove any distractions, And may nothing get in the way of of what you want to say to your people today. And may Jesus be lifted up. May he be seen, may he be felt, may he be heard right here at the church and in every home that is listening to your word today. And I pray, Lord, that your word, as it is preached, will change hearts and transform lives. These things we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Now, some of us are picky. Some of us are picky, like my wife. And I'm, and I'm picking on my wife because she's not here today. And she's not listening to me. So picky, don't tell my wife, OK, the things that I'm saying. Now, we, we can't go, as a family, we can't go to any restaurant. It, it has to be a restaurant with vegan options. When we're buying a cake from my family, we just can't buy any cake. It has to be a vegan cake. My wife is very picky. But one of the things that I'm learning, brothers and sisters, is that we're all picky, to be honest. And we're especially picky when it comes to our relationship with God. Many of us want to be blessed. Many of us, we want to go to the next level, Many of us, we want God to work miracles in our lives and we want God to do exceedingly and abundantly over and above what we can ever ask or imagine. But one of the things that we don't appreciate is that in order to experience the goodness that God has for us, we cannot be without experiencing the unpleasant struggles of life. The two go together. We, we, we cannot have the one without the other. And one of the things that we learn about the book of Ruth is that the book of Ruth is, is literally inviting us to see God in every situation in our lives. But the book of Ruth is, is inviting us to see that there are some experiences that, although we may reject them, in the end, we will realize <clears throat> that we needed these things in order to become everything that God would have us to be? How many of us have had experiences in your life that in the moment in the moment that you were going through them, you hated it? In the moment that you were going through them, you were angry with God for allowing you to go through them. But how many can look back now and, and, and praise God for every trial? How many can look back now and praise him for every struggle? How many can look back now and praise him, not only for the good times, but also for the bad times? You know, many of us, many of us think that it's a strange thing to praise God for the bad times. But I've learned that, I've learned that we, we need the struggles of life, not only to, appre- to appreciate the blessings that God gives to us, but also we need them to push us to where God wants us to be. And, and we see this clearly demonstrated in, in the book of Ruth. Now I have to make a confession. I, 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 b- before, reading the book of Ruth wasn't really, it didn't really excite me. Yeah? I, did, I didn't really used to get excited about it. And I, I just thought it, Pastor James, I just thought it was a nice love story. But the Lord showed me how wrong I was. In fact, the Lord showed me that every book of the Bible... Every word of the Bible we should get excited about. And one of the things that that God is trying to teach me is not to be picky with the word of God. Some of us are picky with the word of God. Some of us are picky with preaching. Some of us are picky with Bible study. Some of us are picky with worship. But, But if we want everything that God has for us, brothers and sisters, we have to take everything that comes with it. And so the book of Ruth is a a book that we should pay more attention to. And today we're going to try to understand what God is doing in the lives of these three main characters that we see in Ruth chapter 1. First character is Naomi, the mother-in-law. Second character is a Moabitess, a Canaanite, a pagan idol-worshiping woman named Ruth who the book is named after. Only two books in the Bible named after women. Ruth is one of them, and Esther is the other. And um, strangely enough, Ruth is the only book named after a non-Jew. That's how significant the book of Ruth is. Third character is another Moabitess woman called Orpah. Like Ruth, a daughter-in-law of Naomi. The book of Ruth contains only four chapters. So if if you're like me and and, and you you don't like to do too much reading, Ruth is a good book to read. And all of these four chapters, and this is just for the Bible nerds among us, all of these four chapters, the book of Ruth is heavily theological and full of symbolism about the plan of salvation. It's a book that takes us, it's like a bridge book. It takes us from the, the um, period of the judges, the most wicked time in in Israel's history, to the time of King David. The book of Ruth is really about David's great-grandmother, because Ruth is David's great-grandmother, and David's great-grandmother is a Moabitess, Canaanite, idol-worshipping, who got converted, woman named Ruth. And I just want to pause right here just to honor the women in our church. I, I thank God for the women in our church, Pastor James. I, I, I thank God for their contribution. I, I thank God for their faith. I thank God for their prayers. I, I, I thank God for their experience. I thank God for their unique perspective on life. I thank God for their ministry here in ESDAC. I, I, thought, I, I, I thought I would hear more amen from the men, but obviously not. Obviously not. <laughs> and and the, the the book of Ruth, in, in the most poetic, and, and, and the most beautiful way, paints a picture of the gospel that really, we, we can't get in Matthew, we, we, we can't get in Mark, we can't get in Luke, we can only get right here in the book of Ruth. And the last few verses of the book of Ruth ends with a genealogy, and again, this is just for, just for the Bible nerds. Ruth is the only book that ends with a genealogy. And, and the main purpose of, of it ending with a genealogy is to show us that these appearing to be insignificant people are part of a wider, bigger, and universal plan that God has. And you know what that is saying to me? saying say to me that you here at Esdac, you may appear to be insignificant, but, but you are part of a bigger, wider and universal plan that God has for you. And and look at this. You you, you have to go all the way to the book of Matthew, who tells the story of the birth of Christ. And in the first chapter, you will also find another genealogy. And it lists the family line of Jesus. And in this genealogy, Matthew 1, verse 5, you will find a prostitute named Rahab, who is the great-great-grandmother of David, and you will find a Moabite, Canaanite, idol-worshipping woman named Ruth. And let me just say this. We, we, we shouldn't look down on anyone. Especially, you know, we are Adventists. We, 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 we have the truth. And sometimes we can be spiritually arrogant, but we should never look down on any other religion. Because as far as God is concerned, there is no one beyond the realm of saving. I've said this before that God is not loyal to denomination. God is loyal to relationship. And this is why you see Rahab. This is why you see Ruth in the family line of Jesus. There is no one that is insignificant. There are no moments that are insignificant. There are no moments that are throwaway moments in our lives. There are no moments like that doesn't, that don't matter. God is working in the small things. God is working in the insignificant things. Where we choose to live matters. Where we choose to work matters. Where we choose to send our children to school matters. Who we choose to marry. All of these things matter. Nothing is insignificant. Not sure if I've uh, told you the story of, of how I ended up in Singapore. You know, God put a... Put a colleague in my life, just for a short time, a work colleague, I, I worked with him for about one year. And his dream, he was always talking about going to work in Singapore. That was his dream. Yeah, and for some reason, over, over the weeks, over the months, his dream became my dream. And, and I ended up in Singapore, and he didn't. And he, he left the company, and I never heard from him again. Oftentimes, God puts people in our lives for a specific purpose for a specific reason God works through what appears to be the small and insignificant things in our lives how many of you can can, can say like me that when you look back over your life you can see the good and the bad that God was in all of it so the book of Ruth teaches us that that there are no insignificant moments God uses even the, the things that we take for granted to accomplish his purpose in our lives. Now, there's another concept, and I need uh, Pastor James and Pastor Johnny to help me out here because I know that they, they went to Hebrew classes, yes? They went to Hebrew classes and I didn't, so I need their help. So, so there's another concept that, that I want to break down to you in the book of Ruth. And again, this is for the Bible nerds among us. There, there is a concept that Ruth is trying to teach us. And it's not overtly mentioned in any of the four chapters, but it is a concept that, that when I read it, I, I started praising God. I don't know, Pastor James, when you discover something that for the first time in the Bible, I just, I, I love to praise God. When I discover something new. But, but if I'm honest, I, I don't have the preaching skills to break it down to you. If I'm honest, I don't have the, the theological, uh, the deep theological understanding to, to break it down to you. And so I'm, I might call Pastor Johnny up here to, to, to do it for me. <laughs> but the concept is called, in the Hebrew, hesed, or hesed, But I'm not going to make that sound with my throat, okay? I'm sure the pastors can explain it better. But hesed essentially describes the ultimate characteristic of who God is. If you want to go deeper into your study in the word of God, look for the Hebrew word hesed. The the word is translated uh, unfailing love or covenantal love. It is literally the character of God. The, The word hesed means commitment. It means loyalty. And it describes what God is to us. But God uses, here in Ruth, a pagan woman, an idol-worshipping woman named Ruth, to show us what God is like. And I just want to pause for a moment to thank God for his unfailing love. To to, to thank him for his long-suffering towards us. And if that doesn't move us, then nothing will move us if we are not touched by the fact that, that God's, God's love for us is not based on what we do, but it's based on who he is, that is hesed. Hesed simply means that, that we serve a God that is not temperamental like us, that we serve a God who is not picky, that we serve a God who is not up and down in his relationship towards us. Do, do I have any witnesses today who can say that the only reason why you're here today it's because of God's unfailing love. It is because of his faithfulness. Because he won't quit on us. We let him down time and time and time again, but we serve a God of unfailing love. Oh, our children, our children need to know this. Our children need to know that we serve a God that, that doesn't get mad with them every time they do something wrong. No. We need to teach them that, that, that God is not mad at them, but he's madly in love with them. The whole ministry of our church should be based on hesed. Hesed, uh, uh, it, should, it should be based on, on grace. Grace is another word for hesed. Grace is another term. It's, a, it's, it's another definition of hesed. It's the idea That God gives blessings and love to a a people who don't deserve it. Oh, I wish I had a church in here. Uh, I wish I had a church online that understood how good God has been in their lives and the fact that we don't even deserve it. A few lessons. A few lessons we we learn from the book of Ruth as we get to our main point today. First lesson we learn is that life is unpredictable. Naomi and her husband, they they move to a new country to find a better life, and, and she ends up losing her husband and two sons just like that. That certainly wasn't in her plan. It wasn't in my plan or my wife's plan that our two children ended up to be special needs children. But life is unpredictable. That's the first lesson that we learn. Second lesson that we learn is that our perceptions about life's unpredictability are seriously unreliable. Most of the time when we, when we give opinion and observation about what's happening in our lives, about what we're going through, most times we are wrong. And that's because our feelings and emotions are unreliable. Especially when we're going through challenging moments in our lives third thing that we learn is not only is life unpredictable, not only are our uh, perceptions unreliable, but God is faithful. Amen? Amen? And the next thing that we learn is that God's faithfulness is demonstrated in the fact that God is working even though it may seem that the devil is winning. There are some of us here right now, right now, who are going through various challenges in life. But I've come here to tell you that God is working, even when it seems that the devil is winning. The next thing that we discover is that God works through unlikely people. Like the colleague that he put in my life, as a result of him, I'm here standing before you today. Naomi wasn't anyone special, and, and Ruth was a Moabite, but both of them were special to God. And as far as God is concerned, there are no insignificant people. Time and time again, we see in the Bible that, that God uses what appears to be insignificant people to accomplish his big, divine, universal plan. Number six, we, we also discover, and, and this one is uh, quite difficult for us to receive sometimes, that God works especially through pain and loss when he's trying to develop faith. If we accept God's blessings, brothers and sisters, we also have to accept the trials and the struggles that he allows to come our way. So the book of Ruth is trying to teach us that God works through the insignificant details that we often take for granted. But specifically, this is my main point today. This is what I want to focus on today. That specifically, God works through people. In other words, your personal destiny in life, you can only get there through the vehicle of relationships. You are who you are today, not because of, not only because of things that have happened to you, but because of the people that have happened to you. Relationships that have molded who you are. And the story of Ruth shows us the importance of relationships and how relationships determine our destiny the Lord created us as, as social beings and so so it's impossible to, to be whatever we are unless somebody has influenced that you know when my uh, when I was young um, my mom always used to complain to, with, to me and my sisters about leaving lights on in the rooms that we're not using yeah wasting electricity wasting money And me and my sisters always used to, man, my my mum is like, she's always complaining. She's always moaning. She's always nagging. But now I am older. I have my own family. I have my own electricity bills that I have to pay. My family will tell you. My wife will tell you that I'm now my mum. I go into rooms and, and there's... The electricity is on, the, the air con is on. They hear my voice. <laughs> my, my wife always says, you are worse than your mum. <laughs> so all of us are who we are based on the relationships that have helped to form and shape us. Most of us are unique in that we are a combination of several different relationships that have helped to form our characters. Brothers and sisters, I can testify to you today that the only reason why I'm here, the only reason that I can stand before you and preach is because of the people that God has put in my life. And and there are some people that minimize the power of relationships. People talking about how they don't need the church. People talking about how they don't need families and they isolate themselves. That is a lie that the devil has got us to believe. You cannot make it in life without people in your life that God has put there to help you to be what he wants you to be. I don't care what your personality is. I don't care if you're an introvert. You cannot be what God wants you to be without people. Let's see how God teaches this principle in our story today. So Naomi Naomi leaves Israel with her husband, goes to Moab. Things were so bad in Israel that they had to leave God's people to go to the land of the enemy to get some food. And when they got to Moab, they ended up staying 10 years longer than they expected. You know, I can relate to that. My family have stayed in Singapore seven years longer than we expected. (laughs) And I'm sure some of you can relate to that as well. The first thing that went wrong for Naomi in Moab is that her husband just dropped dead. And then after some time, her two sons, after marrying Moabite women, they also dropped dead. What a a tragic story. It's like a Job-like story. So Naomi lost her husband. She lost her two sons. And now she's left with two Moabite daughter-in-laws. And now they were all widows. Now, my first observation is that when Naomi's sons died, the two Moabite daughter-in-laws wanted to stay with Naomi. What does that suggest to me? Suggest to me that as a mother-in-law, she was nice to them and vice versa. If she had mistreated her daughter-in-law, she would have been in trouble because it's not likely that they wouldn't have wanted to stay with her. I can spend some more time on that topic, but I think you get the message. (laughs) So so, so all three women, mother-in-law and daughter-in-laws, are now widows. And in biblical days, if you were a widow and had no husband, it meant you had no future. If you had no children, it meant you had no future. And so Naomi is getting ready to die, and the only thing that she has to her name are two Moabite daughter-in-laws. And oftentimes when when we're down, and and I've been there, God sends a word of encouragement. And Naomi gets a word that bread has come back to Bethlehem and and they said, we haven't got anything else uh, to lose. We might as well just go home. At least we can feed ourselves before we die. And the word of God says, as these women, these three widows are, are making their way back to Judah, Naomi gets it into her head and says, this isn't right. I can't do anything for these women. And and worst of all, they're Moabites. They are the enemy. If I bring them back to Israel, the people of God will mistreat them. Brothers and sisters, this is one of the most beautiful scenes in the entire Bible. Naomi pauses on the way with tears in her eyes and, and she looks at her two daughter-in-laws and she said, this is going to if you go back home with me, it's not going to work. I'm asking both of you, please, just go back to your mothers. That makes sense. Your flesh and blood will take care of you. Going back home with me where I have no future, it's not a good idea. And so these women with, with tears in their eyes on that road, do, do you know that that the whole destiny of, sal- of the salvation story was shifted on that road to Judah? I'm telling you that there is nothing in our lives that is insignificant and don't matter. We must reverence every moment in our lives. We must reverence what God is doing. Do you realize that that right now, maybe God is trying to make a major move in your life with something that you don't even think is significant? And so, as as they are crying in each other's arms, Naomi says, you guys have to leave. Go back home. You, You can't come with me. It's not going to work. And the first point I want to make concerning relationships is that we have to recognize that relationships should be based on choice and not control and not manipulation because love is not based on control. I, I like what Naomi did here. She, she was like, I don't want my daughter-in-laws to feel guilty. If they don't want to come with me, I don't want them to feel bad. If they don't want to come, I'm going to give them the choice. And some of us are in relationships where we are trying to control people. Wives trying to control husbands. Husbands trying to control wives. Brothers and sisters, love is not based on control. God gives us freedom of choice. Love is based on freedom of choice, and this is something that I had to learn very early in my marriage. And Naomi teaches us this very important principle. Second thing we learn is from Orpah. When when Naomi said what she said, it set Orpah free to go and to pursue the dreams that God had for her. Let's not compare Orpah's decision to leave with Ruth's decision to, to stay and say that Orpah's was not loyal. No, maybe God had a different plan for Orpah. Orpah hugged Naomi. She, she kissed her and she said goodbye. And, and what we learn from Orpah is this, and maybe there's one or two people here today that needs to hear this. There are some relationships that we need to distance ourselves from in order for God to accomplish his purpose in our lives. I know this isn't for everyone but I believe there are one or two people who need to hear that today. And the final thing that we learn is from Ruth. Listen to me carefully. The choice that Ruth makes on that road was not sensible. It was spiritual. Here's Here's Ruth's options. If she goes with Naomi, she risks dying. She risks not getting married. She risks staying in poverty. It's nothing but risk for Ruth. But somehow Ruth recognized that her destiny was connected to her mother-in-law, even though Naomi had absolutely nothing to offer her. Unlike Ruth, we have the benefit of knowing the end of the story. And the end of the story is that Ruth does not become David's great-grandmother unless she stays with Naomi. You you see, the thing that was driving Ruth wasn't money. It wasn't promotion. It wasn't position. But she was connected to the woman spiritually. And this is why her decision was not sensible, but it was spiritual. And, and, And she says to Naomi, I'm not going to let you go. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you stay, I'm going to stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God brothers and sisters, that makes no sense to me. Ruth looks at Naomi's life. Her husband died. Her her two sons died. Everywhere Naomi goes, people die. Everywhere Naomi goes, there is a famine. Bad things happen. Everything that she touches, it dies. But Ruth disregarded all of the obvious reasons to walk out on Naomi, but she decided to stay. Why? Because of her God. She made a spiritual decision and not a sensible one. It would have been easy, easy for for Ruth to to walk away from Naomi and go to pursue her life, to to go and get married, to go and get a degree, to, to, to go and find someone that could give her a child. But Ruth is sending us a message today because most of us here, we make sensible decisions, but not spiritual ones. We we, we make decisions based on money. We, We make decisions based on position. We make decisions based on comfort. We make decisions based on the here and now. But trust me, brothers and sisters, we will never get to where God wants us to be. By, by making sensible decisions, by doing what the world expects, by doing what other people are doing. God can only accomplish his purpose in our lives when we make spiritual decisions over sensible ones. And we know the rest of the story. When, when Ruth joined herself to Naomi, everything changed. When, when she made the decision to serve Naomi and, and to take care of her, this opened the way for God to use her to become David's great-grandmother and to be included in the family line of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm closing. I wonder if our pianist can just play something in the background as we close this thing out. You know, when it comes to serving God, it's all about people. It's all about family. It's it's all about relationships. You know, the other day, the Holy Spirit rebuked me, clearly. He said to me, um, you're going around praying for everyone. But what about about your own mom? Rebuke me. Oh, (laughs) right here. He said, call your mom. My mum is in London. Say, call your mum once or twice a week and pray with her. And ask her to pray for you and your family. The Holy Spirit said, look, I know you're busy. But don't be too busy to serve your mum. She is the person responsible for who you are today. I didn't have a dad. So my mom was the one that did everything for me. The Holy Spirit said, get up under your mother and serve her. And I hear God saying to all of us that he has put people in our lives that we are taking for granted. God is saying today that he wants us to be a roof to somebody in our lives. There could be someone in the church. there, there, There could be somebody in your family that the Lord is saying to get up under and be a blessing to them. I'm telling you right now that we are, we're not going anywhere without people. And and there are certain people that God puts in our lives. There are certain people that hold the keys to our destiny. Because that's just the way God planned it. Naomi, she couldn't offer anything to Ruth. But yet God gave her the keys. To roost destiny. You know, I'm quite a loud person. Don't worry, you can say amen. I'm brash, I'm in your face kind of guy. And uh, most of most of the people that I know in London, most of my friends, they're they're the same. But God said said, I'm going to use a quiet unassuming person, somebody who doesn't really think himself as important, somebody who doesn't really think of himself as significant, somebody who is, is humble, I'm going to use that person to unlock the keys to your destiny, to enlarge your ministry and to give you experiences that you would never have had had, you not, had I not brought that person into your life. And that person is my, my good friend, brother Steve, goes to Maranatha Church. Some of you may know him. And in many ways, it's, it's an unlikely friendship. But I truly believe that God gave Steve the keys to my destiny because through Steve, my, God has enlarged my ministry. He has enlarged my territory. And now our destinies and the destinies of our families, by God's grace, are connected until the day that he shall come. God wants to use you to unlock the door to somebody's destiny. Are you willing? Are you willing to answer that call today? I I don't know who I'm talking to, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is working throughout this message. God is looking for some roofs today to cover people like Naomi. There are some people that God has put in our lives that we take for granted, God is saying, get up under them and cover them with prayer. Cover them with blessings. And we see as in Ruth's life that when we cover someone, that God covers us. Someone needs to ask God, show me, show me, direct me to someone that needs to be covered. God, lead me to someone today that I can bless. God is looking for some roofs today. Will you answer the call? Oh, I believe that God is. God wants to see us covering people who are unable to cover themselves. But also there may be someone that may need to distance yourself like Orba so that God's plan can work in your life. There may be others who may need to reconcile with people. You know, I'm always surprised in our church that there are many people who, like, they're not speaking to family and they're not speaking to someone. But yet, the Word of God tells us, before we pray, we must sort out any differences that we have with our brothers with our sisters. So there may be someone that you need to reconcile with. You know, I saw something at the end of last year and uh, it said, look, I want to end the year right and on the same page with everyone. So anyone that has done me wrong, come and apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, could it be that God wants us to go and apologize. Doesn't the word of God say that the offended person and not, the, not necessarily the one that has done the offense should go and apologize, should go and reconcile? Is there anyone that you need to reconcile with today? Is there anyone listening to me today that, that wants relate, your relationships to be honoring God? That wants you, that wants God to be a blessing to your relationships. Because your relationships have the power to affect your spiritual destiny. And that's why God uses other people to accomplish his purposes in our lives. So is there anyone that you need to serve today? Is there anyone that in your life that you need to cover And I'm not talking about the people that we want to cover. I'm talking about the people that God wants us to cover. Because when you serve people, when you bless people, when you cover people, God covers you. Everyone wants to be covered by God. But God needs you to cover someone. Be a roof in the house today. You know, maybe you've got caught up in yourself, you've got caught up in your job, you've got caught up in your life, you've got caught up in your studies. Trust me, brothers and sisters, I've been there. Being selfish is not the way for God to accomplish His plan in your life. It's only when we serve others it's only when we when we cover others can God fulfill his plan in our lives. And I promise you that you can never lose when you cover other people. It's a guaranteed investment. So has anybody put anyone, has God put anybody in your heart? Has God put anybody in your heart right now that you want to cover? I want you to, just those who want to cover someone, who God has brought someone to mind that this week you're going to do something about it. I just want to put you to raise your hands. Those here in the church, those online, I may not see every hand, but I believe that God does. God has put somebody on your heart. Maybe it's someone that you've taken for granted. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a member of Aztec Church. Maybe it's someone at work, someone in the neighborhood. You want to cover them. You want to bless them. Just put up your hand. God sees you. God sees you. This is the secret, my brothers and sisters to having a fulfilled life, serving others. It may not be a sensible decision, but it's always a spiritual one. And so Jesus wants us to serve others while we are waiting for him to return. And as we serve others, let us not forget the reason why we are serving them. And it's to prepare them for when Jesus comes again may God help each one of us to be a roof to someone in their life today. This is the word of the Lord to Esdak. Amen.